This week on Daiwa, we're discussing Tama County. A night marshal is murdered after surprising two boys committing a burglary. Welcome to Daiwa, the first Iowa-focused true crime podcast, where there's 99 counties and a murder in every one. These are your hosts, Beth LaValle and Allie Tulin. Okay, Tama County this week, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've even ever heard of Tama County before this episode. How about you? I think I've heard of it, but I have not been either. But some fun facts for you. The county is actually named after the leader of the Meskwaki Native American tribe, Tama. And I can't tell you the whole story or history of the Meskwaki people, but here's a brief history with their relationship of Tama County. So the tribe has been historically located in the St. Lawrence River Valley, which is Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Missouri, and Iowa. And in the 1840s, the U.S. government was trying to push the Meskwaki people into Kansas from Iowa. In 1851, the Iowa legislature passed an act to allow the Meskwaki to buy land and stay in the state, even though they had occupied it by right before. In 1857, the Meskwaki purchased their first 80 acres in Tama County. And by 1910, the Sac and Meskwaki together totaled only about 1,000 people, but it's grown to nearly 4,000 in 2,000. Some other cool things about the Meskwaki people. In World War II... Some Meskwaki men enlisted in the U.S. Army, and several of them served as code talkers, along with Navajo, and some other speakers of uncommon languages. And the Meskwaki men used their language to keep Allied communications secret in actions against the Germans in North Africa. So there were 27 Meskwaki men, which was about 16% of the Meskwaki population in Iowa, and they enlisted together in the U.S. Army in January of 1941. So just looking at their website, it says... Because their ancestors had the tenacity and foresight to purchase their land, the Meskwaki settlement is not an Indian reservation. It was not set apart from the public domain and reserved for Indians. It is private purchased property and a sovereign nation. The Meskwaki own more than 8,000 acres in Tama, Marshall, and Palo Alto County. They say by adapting, surviving, and thriving, the people of the Red Earth are working hard to determine the needs within their community. They are committed to protecting their inherent sovereignty, preserving and promoting their culture, and improving the quality of life for future generations. Their mission is to rely on the knowledge and experiences of the past, along with the will to survive to advance the people, culture, and well-being of the Meskwaki Nation. That is very cool. Yeah. I didn't realize that it's like a totally private nation. Are they just right. not a part? Are they not a part of the United States of America then? I think technically, but yeah, I'm not, I don't know how to answer that. Okay. Interesting. So I have another completely separate fun fact for you. Please go. I'm, I'm very excited about it. So Toledo, Ohio. Oh my God. <laughs> did you try to say Toledo, Ohio? <laughs> I sure did. Okay. Toledo, Iowa in Tama County was home to Norma Duffield Stong Lion, who was known by Duffy. And she was famously known as the Butter Cow Lady. For those of you who have been to the State Fair or maybe who have never been to the Iowa State Fair, the Butter Cow is a display that has been going on since 1911. Norma didn't just create a Butter Cow, but she expanded to creating other sculptures, including 
Garth Brooks, Elvis Presley, John Wayne, Peanuts characters, a Harley Davidson motorcycle, American Gothic by Grant Wood, and The Last Supper. Like, incredible stuff. Truly an artist. (laughs) She also made, is it Butter Bus? Or is it Cheese Buffs? Okay, Butter. I don't know what a bus is. I think so. Oh, just like a From Here Up? Oh, I see. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she made busts of Katie Couric, Matt Lauer, Barack Obama, and a cheese bust of David Letterman, who oh my God. I like want to see his reaction to right? <laughs> being presented with a cheese bust. Uh. And just another fun fact about Norma, her uncle Phil Stong wrote the book State Fair, which was later made into three movies and a musical. That book is about an Iowa farm family traveling to the Iowa State Fair. Norma unfortunately passed away in 2011, but fortunately, the butter cow tradition lives on. Amazing. Hopefully, the state fair is opened back up this year. Maybe you could see it. I think think it will be. Yeah. I think so, too. Very impressed by the Elvis and definitely the Last Supper. (laughs) Incredible. All right. Well, let's get to the murder. It's 1925. Calvin Coolidge is president. A man named Frank Heath and his horse, Gypsy Queen... Have left Amazing. Washington, D.C. <laughs> that horse slash stripper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, all good. Uh, and his horse, Gypsy Queen, leave Washington, D.C. to begin a two-year journey to visit all 48 states at the time. And Malcolm X was actually born in 1925 in the neighboring state of Nebraska. It's shortly after midnight on August 13th, 1925 in Traer, Iowa. A night marshal named Frank Mommer Sr. is making his rounds. Frank looks a little older with white hair, but his eyebrows and mustache are darker. Great mustache. He has some slight Teddy Roosevelt vibes, or perhaps more like Robin Williams playing Teddy Roosevelt in The Night of the Museum. <laughs> but he's 63 years old and a little bit heavier. So Frank hears something going on near a local drugstore and decides to check it out. He walks into Dr. Pinkerton's office and he finds two young men trying to rob the safe. Frank confronted the suspects but was shot twice in the stomach. The two young men fled the scene and people from surrounding businesses who heard the shot came to Frank's aid. He was taken to the St. Francis Hospital in Waterloo where he died the following day. Several days later, police became suspicious of a local boy named Manley Thompson after he was seen around town carrying a pistol. Manley Thompson was 18, and we would say he looks a little bit like Maggie Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Just like a little bit. Just a little bit. But anyway, Thompson was eventually captured by officers and did confess. However, he claimed his friend Linus, also known as Pink Pinkerton, had been the ringleader behind the crime. Linus was nowhere to be found, but Thompson was eventually sentenced to life at Fort Madison. It was said that officers learned valuable information about the boys from a tramp, or homeless person, riding a freight train with two boys fitting the descriptions of Pinkerton and Thompson. Here's some more information about Linus Pink Pinkerton. Pinkerton was 20 at the time of the murder. He was the adopted son of the physician Dr. J.A. and Alice Pinkerton. Pink was... (laughs) Pink has one of the bigger foreheads I've ever seen. (laughs) And he sort of looks like the guy in the back of your high school class who, like, doesn't talk at all and definitely doesn't care. (laughs) 
So Pink was adopted by the Pinkerton family as an infant. He graduated from Traer High School in 1923. He was described as the bad boy of town, and he was always getting into scrapes. Uh, But Pink was supposed to be in school at Cedar Falls that summer, but it was said he never attended a class and just had a good time around Cedar Falls and Waterloo, as one does. At one point, his foster father deposited a large sum of money for Pink in a Des Moines bank while studying pharmacy at Des Moines University. Pink wrote home for a while, but the letter stopped, and his family found out that he had drawn about $300 or $400 out of the bank to go to Chicago. Meanwhile, Manley Thompson pretty much came from a family of ordinary means. Pretty normal guy. So back in Trier, nobody could find Pink. Newspapers reported he was anywhere from Manchester, South Dakota, to Ames, Iowa, or Newton, Iowa. They thought he was in South Dakota because he had previously written a letter to a girl on August 16th from Parker, South Dakota. Also, he had previously worked in Manchester. Bloodhounds had been employed in the search for the murders, with a reward of $500 being offered by local citizens. Pink's photo was also planned to be sent to every police department in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. We're not really sure if that really happened because I can't imagine Trayer, Iowa, being able to pay that postage expense. <laughs> so the parents were all in shock when they were told their sons may be involved. Pink was supposedly after a diamond ring his, of his mother's that was supposed to be in the safe at his father's office. Another rumor was that Dr. Pinkerton had received a telegraph to be in his office with a certain amount of money. It was reported that bullets from two different guns were fired into the marshal's body, one from a 38 caliber gun and one from a 32 caliber gun. The Traer community was hoping this tragedy would stir county officers to rid the town of a score or more of young men who carried guns. The search for Pink continued, and finally, seven years later, in 1932, Linus Pinkerton was arrested in Vancouver, Washington. Extradition papers were prepared, and the Iowa State agent Yaki was sent to the West Coast to return him. Yaki took his confession in Washington, and after being on the run for so long, Linus Pinkerton, now 27 years old, was returned to Tama County, where he confessed to the murder of Frank Milmer in 1925 and was sentenced to a life term in the Fort Madison Penitentiary. The sentence was pronounced by Judge Clarence Nichols after the court had heard 10 state witnesses in a review of the seven-year-old case. After serving 20 years of his life for murder, Linus Pinkerton, now 47 years old, was paroled from the state penitentiary in September of 1952. Manley Thompson had been paroled on March of 1941. Then, two years later, Linus Pinkerton had his citizenship restored by Governor William S. Beardsley. But in 1959, Pink runs into trouble again. He was thrown back in jail for seven days in Pacific Junction after he was charged with assault and battery. Pink had beaten up his wife after drinking. Pink's adopted parents remained in Iowa. His father died just one year after the murder and his mother in 1955. It was reported that Pink was in Glenwood, Iowa in 1955, and it looks like he died in 1991, still in Glenwood, Iowa. He was 87 years old. At the time of Frank Mummer's death, he was married to Ella Bierman and had had six children. Ella died just two years after Frank's murder. We've got some questions for TAPS, mainly about what a night marshal actually is, so let's give him a call. Sounds good. Hey, TAPS. Good evening. Thanks for joining. We are in Tama County this week. 
Uh, so first question, have you been there? Yes, and visited the Twin Cities of Tama and Toledo, two towns that are uh, grown into each other. That was not on their Wikipedia page. Tell us more. There are two towns that are, they abut up against each other. They call it Iowa's Twin Cities, Tama oh. and Toledo. I right on that. Highway 30. How have I never heard of Iowa's Twin Cities? I haven't also either. Home of the Meskwaki Reservation. We did talk about them. Very cool. So like we said, Frank Mommer was a night marshal. Had you heard of someone being a night marshal? Do you know what it is? And no, we are not talking about like airline marshals. No, it was fairly common before law enforcement officers were certified by the state that smaller towns would hire night watchmen or night marshals. And they would be essentially police officers that watched the town through the night. Is the position still used today? No. Were they like really trained as police officers? No, there was no training back in those days. You know, it was like the old West. Somebody went and pinned the badge on you and gave you a gun. So kind of just like security guards of the town. Well, but they they had arrest authority and stuff. So Okay. Uh, what's the difference between a burglary and a robbery? Usually by statute, a robbery is the forcible taking of something from a person to another. And a burglary is usually the entering of an occupied or a structure to commit a felony. In the old English common law, burglary had to be done at night inside someone's house, but it's been expanded now to any enclosed structure. And in Iowa, we even have a burglary third, which involves entering a vehicle. Thanks for clarifying. One of the reasons the boys said they shot was that they were spooked by a mummer when he entered. Is there training now for officers approaching criminals when they might not expect it? Yeah, I mean, again, with the whole certification process, of officers and stuff, there's been a whole revolution in that. But essentially, going into a dark building at night hasn't changed much. You have to go in and confront people that are in there. Would you have announced yourself? Yeah, probably. And we probably would go in with another officer. Uh, But I'm sure there's some small towns in Iowa where backup is a long ways away or coming from the county sheriff's department or whatever. And so somebody might have to go in by themselves. Okay. The citizens of Traer hated that young men in their community were running around with guns. And as we know, gun policies are a huge issue right now. So can you go into what Iowa's gun policies or laws currently are and maybe some of your recommendations, if you're comfortable with that? Well, I just, it's just changed. Uh, in this legislative session, they have passed a statute now for permitless carry. You don't have to have a permit to carry a gun anymore in Iowa. What I don't know how that's the reason be. for that? Uh, there are people that believe the Second Amendment allows that. And there's been some other states that have passed it. Having carried a gun most of my life and being around guns most of my life, I'm fairly frightened by people that are untrained with guns. And I don't know where this shakes out. But, you know, it is, whether you like it or not, it is our history. You know, people have been strapping on their six shooters since the 1800s. And so there's a lot of history of people carrying guns in this culture. All right. So the search for Linus Pinkerton, and we're calling him Pink, lasted seven years. And at one point, bloodhounds were used to try to pick up a scent. And at another point, the officers were reportedly sending his photo to every station in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. So 
One, have you ever worked with police dogs <laughs> to like pick up scents or anything? And two, what are the methods used today to find someone on the run? Well, mo- almost all the police dogs out there today are either tracking dogs or dual dual purpose dogs. So yeah, we use dogs all the time. I mean, it's used all over the country to try to find someone. And in fact, we teach officers now to form perimeters around where we think a suspect is and not to uh, pollute that area so the dogs can pick up the scent. And uh, they're fairly effective. You know, if they can pick up the scent, they're pretty effective at finding the person. Is there anything that like is either really effective or like really not effective when they're trying to pick up a scent? Like, I mean, the most non-effective thing is when too many people have run through that area and the dog kind of gets confused on scents and things like that. But, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they just, they have the ability to pick up certain human scents and to go after them. So I'm not a huge dog expert, but I've seen them work many, many times and they're fairly effective. Do you have a favorite police dog that you work with? Um, probably not right now. <laughs> I've never wanted to be a dog handler. I've never had that desire, but I respect them greatly. But they don't use bloodhounds anymore, right? No, they still, they're serious. Really? It's still, yeah, because they have such incredible scent that they can, they can track things better. I feel like I always just associate police dogs with like German shepherds now. Yeah, most of, most of them are Malinois now, Belgian okay. dogs. But yeah, but there are still places in the country that have bloodhounds. What do you think about them sending um, Linus's photo to every station? Do you think that really happened or do you think? They may have attempted to. Um, now it's a push of a button through the National Crime Information Computer and things of that nature. So it's not even a Herculean task anymore. It's something that's done pretty, pretty easily. And then what about the methods used today to find someone on the run? That's the biggest uh, way is just through information. Uh, People post a person as wanted in NCIC so that any officer around the country that stops the person gets what's called a hit on that person. And we find out they're wanted by somebody somewhere. So it's, it's pretty difficult now to evade capture. I mean, people can be on the run for a while, but it seems like we, we catch up with most everybody. So these boys were both under the age of 21 when committing the crime. Do you agree with their pardons? And then what checks are there to make sure like a person is really ready to be reintroduced into society as a citizen? Again, it's decisions that are made by parole boards across the country. They, they use statistical methods now, data, software that measures data on the person. They try to make a scientific decision based on that. But still, in the long run, it's a feeling that the parole board gets about a person and whether they're going to be successful outside the walls or not. Any final thoughts on Tama County? No, I mean, it just kind of shows you the difference of how law enforcement and the correction system has evolved over almost 100 years. And I'd like to think we're doing it better today than back then. But obviously, our tools are much better, more sophisticated. So I I doubt this kid would have been on the run that long in today's world. All right. Well, thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. See ya. Oh, hello there. As a marketer, I hate promotions like this. 
Same and same. But I love content. Me too. So if you like our content, give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, note, fax, literally anything you think would help us continue making Daiwa a success. Thank you, thank you, thank you.